Hey, Sadama Dumande, you listen to Defenders of the Bank podcast. What is good, everybody? That's right. It is time for episode number 111 here on the most LAFC podcast on earth. This is Defenders of the Bank. And here on episode 111, we are celebrating the birth and the first 40, that's right, 40 years in the life of my co-host and partner in pod, the man, the myth, the shoey himself, Christian Philly Philemon. The fact that I have made it 40 times around the sun, the fact that I am still being referred to as the shoey, something that people do when they are younger, drinking out of a shoe, I am still doing it at 40 and being referred to as the shoey makes me realize that maybe I have not matured all that much, but I certainly have had a lot of fun. Scarf, great introduction. I don't want to make this completely about myself because we've got LAFC things to talk about, but it is so great to be here with you in beautiful Burbank, California, once again at Philomonster Studios, and we're going to have a lot more opportunities to get together because we got a lot of LAFC matches is coming up, my man. Allow myself to introduce myself. That's <laughs> right. It's J.R. Liebert, the scarf, everybody. And yes, Philly, six games in, oh, just a couple of weeks. And it all kicks off with another beatdown that's about to happen to our quote-unquote friends down there in Carson, except this one begins at the Bank Philly. We got six games to look forward to. We have so much on the table for episode 111. Look, we know, all of you defenders out there, we're talking to the millions... And millions! ...of Defenders of the Bank listeners out there. We know that episode 110 meandered just a little bit. We know that episode 110 was somewhere close to like 90 minutes of Defenders of the Bank glory with some help from our friends over at 110 Football. Like the 110 Freeway itself, it wandered a little bit over here, meandered a little bit over there. That is not going to be the case with episode 111 in addition to celebrating the birth and the first 40 years of my co-host and partner in pod, Christian Philly Philemon, we are going to talk all of the LAFC news and notes in the last week or two. We, of course, are going to bring you this day in LAFC history, and we're going to give you some thoughts on the next six games, but especially that first one coming up August 22nd, the Derby comes back to Bank of California Stadium, the Battle of Los Angeles. Can't wait for the game against Carson coming up soon. Philly, very excited to be back in beautiful Philomonster Studios, but something that we'll start our episode on, it actually won't be this day in LAFC history. I wanted to bring up, because we call him our great one, number 99, the big news, of course, yeah. of this last week, the unfortunate Mutual, I guess, contract termination is what it wound up being, Philly. Adama Diomande, the third leading scorer in LAFC history. And look, to say that Dio is a fan favorite is a huge understatement. So shocked, August 13th, 2020, which also happened to be your birthday. So we will attach the hashtag Blame Philly for that oh, on your again, birthday. Man. I know, it's, it's, I mean, this one. It's definitely your fault, but we'll blame a little bit of Dio on this too. Look, he announced that he has terminated his contract with LAFC. They later amended that to it being a mutual termination of the contract to quote-unquote best care for his loved ones. He leaves as the third leading scorer, like we said in club history, 24 goals scored across 52 competitions. And, and you know, he always seemed to come through in the clutch. He was never afraid to speak his mind and react accordingly. Stuck up for his teammates at every single chance he got Philly. And, of course, was a key part in the founding of the Black Players Coalition in Major League Soccer. 
Look, we know that the hockey team that plays over there in AEG's Crystal Palace in downtown has their number 99, but LAFC's great one will always be number 99, Adama Diamande. Indeed, and to go along with all those goals and assists in those 29 starts, five-time MLS Team of the Week honoree, one-time MLS Player of the Week, one-time MLS Player of the Month, and in addition to all of those, scored the first hat trick. First hat trick, ladies and gentlemen, in club history on June the 30th, 2018. It is gut-wrenching to know that our great one, a person who we interviewed actually not that long ago. Episode number 99. Is is leaving us. And in, it's a gut-wrenching thing. We don't know all the details. The team mutually agreed to it. He ended up speaking to John Thorrington and said he had some issues with family that he wanted to deal with. And the club was more than willing to accept his termination and they parted ways mutually he did not give up on us defenders don't think that one bit there clearly was something going along but without even getting into it speculating on behalf of defenders of the bank we want to wish Adama Diamande all the best you have etched your name in LAFC history and you will forever go down as a legend as far as we're concerned in our club and you will always always be the great one as far as Scarf and I are concerned. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about it is, unfortunately, Carson might be breathing a little bit easier at that game on the 22nd because we know what Adama Diamande did in that playoff match when we dispatched with Carson from last year's playoffs. You know, he reminded me, and I think I mentioned this on another episode of ours previously, he reminds me a lot of my former favorite Dodger, and that's Yasiel Puig. These guys both burst onto the scene. Remember Yasiel's, like, first month in the bigs? He was hitting, like, 400, had some home runs, had a rocket arm. Adama Diamande burst onto the scene and had, what, eight goals in his first five or six games. The guy had a hat trick, team of the month, team of the week, you name it. He could do everything. But he always was a little enigmatic in that way. You know, he took some time as part of the league's substance abuse and behavioral health policy. He took some time away from the team last year. He's had a history with injuries. And he's he's also just, again, he's never been afraid to be himself out there, to speak his mind. He's had a lot of stuff go on in a short time. And we're just going to miss the heck out of Adama Diamande. That guy just brought it every single time. So again, on behalf of Defenders, a big thank you to Adama Diamande and Philly. Now we'll get right back in to the nitty-gritty of the episode, and you guys know how we like to start it out with a little bit of this day in LAFC history, and we are recording this. It is just about 6 o'clock in downtown Burbank, California at world-famous Philomonster Studios on Sunday, August 16th. I do want to mention yesterday... Happy birthday to Papa Scarf, to my dad. It was yeah. his It was his birthday. It doesn't matter how old he is, but he was old enough. And it was his birthday yesterday, so we celebrated a little bit there. He is as big of an LAFC fan as you will ever meet. He does have his number one dad LAFC t-shirt that he will wear during game time. So I just want to say happy birthday to Papa Scarf. That was August 15th in 1942, but don't tell him I told you that. August 16th oh, you're gonna when get it we are that. starting our This Day in LAFC history. And why not start? Start out with one of LAFC's favorite players for all of our listeners out there in Defenders of the Bank, Brian Rodriguez. Brian Rodriguez gets his first call to Uruguay's men's national team to play in friendlies against Costa Rica and the U.S. men's national team. He had yet to play for LAFC, but he was signed by LAFC at that point. So that's August 16th. August 17th, 1980. Happy birthday to one of the owners of LAFC, co-founder of Riot Games and co-creator of League of Legends, Mark Merrill. Happy birthday, Mark. I believe this will be his 40th birthday. So nice. happy birthday. The big 4-0 to Mark Merrill, again, owner and co-founder of Riot Games and co-creator of League of Legends. Also on the 17th, in 2018, LAFC loaned Shaft Brewer Jr. to Phoenix Rising FC. And that's when Phoenix Rising went on that ridiculous, what was it, like a 20-game unbeaten streak that they went on in 2018 to win the USL Western Conference Championship. They didn't bring the championship all the way home, but Shaft Brewer was a small part of that. August 17th, Along with Tristan Blackman, by the way. That's true, along with Tristan Blackman. And, you know, Shaft Brewer was a larger part of Phoenix Rising, unfortunately, than he was ever with LAFC. August 17, 2019, so last year, LAFC traveling to Rio Tinto Stadium to take on, as Philly likes to say, Real. Real. Not Real. Real. Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake. LAFC, of course, winning two 
nothing. Goals from Carlos Vela on a PK in the 64th. And, of course, Adama Diomande. Both of those goals, by the way, came as the teams played 10v10. Walker Zimmerman got two yellows in just 48 minutes of soccer. <laughs> LAFC clinching a playoff berth with that win. And Carlos Vela breaking the record for most combined goals and assists in a season. And we're going to go all the way through to the 19th last day on this day in LAFC history, August 19th. 2018, another 2-0 win for LAFC. This time, it's Colorado at Bank of California Stadium behind goals from Lee Wynn and Diego Rossi. And it was the eighth clean sheet that year for Tyler Miller behind five saves. And you mentioned it, Philly. And that's why I wanted to end our This Day in LAFC history on this. August 19th, 2019, Adama Diomande being named to the 2019 MLS Week 24 team of the week and that is this episode's this day in lafc history philly so much in the news about lafc and you know what there's some really cool news going around the mls too we haven't really spent a lot of time our last couple of episodes covering news and notes around lafc and mls so let's kick it off with some news and notes for LAFC and Major League Soccer. Absolutely, but one quick thing I want to do, and you don't know about this because I just had the idea as you were going through this day in LAFC history. Uh You mentioned Shaft Brewer Jr. I did. We definitely appreciated Shaft Brewer on a team. We got to know Shaft on a personal level. Shaft, really cool guy. I even have a Shaft Brewer jersey in my closet. Yes, you do. Here's the deal. For anyone out there that's one part of the millions and millions of Defenders of the Bank listeners, if you have a Shaft Brewer jersey, Post it on Instagram, tag Defenders, and tag Shaft Brewer. We will send you an awesome, awesome Defenders of the Bank surprise. I repeat, if you have a Shaft Brewer jersey, tag us and tag him on Instagram, and we will send you, free of charge, with shipping and handling included, a awesome free <laughs> Defenders of the Bank gift. All right, do me a favor for our listeners out there. Please also DM me and let me know what this cool gift is that we're sending you, because I have no idea what Philly's talking about. I right don't now. either, but it'll be cool if we have those people. People tagging us and Shaft Brewer yes. with their Shaft Brewer kits. Yes. So for both of you that send us pictures of your Shaft Brewer jerseys, make sure that to tag us and to tag him. <laughs> and apparently we'll send you something cool. And I'm looking around here in Philly Monster Studios. Lots of cool things just to take off the wall and send people, Philly. So this could be fun. For sure. For sure. And by the way, Shaft, if you're listening, you're excluded from this because I know you have your own jersey. Hold but on. I- hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Shaft, if you do post a picture of you and your own LAFC jersey, I'll personally send you something. I would love to have Shaft Brewer comment on our Instagram with his own jersey. I mean, that would kind of be so meta, right? Like, we're making this post. Look, we, we would just always love to hear from Shaft Brewer, whatever you're doing out there. Yeah, right Shaft's now, cool, man. Yeah. So, look, Philly... We had the COVID Cup. We know it didn't go LAFC's way. But the breakout star, the phenom, the best player on the pitch during the COVID Cup, that would be one Diego Rossi from LAFC. The haul that Diego Rossi took home after the COVID Cup was pretty impressive. Of course, he won the Golden Boot with seven goals in the tournament. Five of which, by the way, Philly, count towards his regular season stats. So he's currently sitting on, what, six goals, I believe, in the regular season, leading the Golden Boot race for Major League Soccer. How cool would that be, by the way, to have Carlos Vela win the Golden Boot in 2019 and Diego Rossi win the Golden Boot in 2020? The only reason why that wouldn't happen is because Carlos is going to decide to win it one more time because he could do those kind of things. Diego Rossi also became the first player in Major League Soccer to register two Two, count them, five-point games. Of course, he had the four goals against Carson to go along with one assist in the tournament. That would be the 6-2 win that we hung on Carson last time we played them. But Philly, in our second game ever in team history, Diego Rossi hanging five points on, you call them what again now? <laughs> real, real Salt Lake. Salt Lake. Second game ever. He had two goals and three. What about assists. real Salty Lake? That's, That's not a bad one. Totally up to you, my real friend. Real Salty Lake. I've always called them Real Salt Lake, but you hate that, so that's fine. And Diego Rossi also, of course, winning the best young player of the tournament and being named to the best 11. It is important to note, by the way, Bradley Wright Phillips and Edward Atuesta were also nominated for the best 11, but did not make the final cut. What an impact, Philly. We mentioned this on our last episode. 
for me, the only thing I don't like about all that is that Diego Rossi was showcasing himself while MLS was like the only game in town. Diego Rossi put himself on the map. I'm so worried that uh, what we talked about Fiorentina and a bunch of other Italian teams out there. Yeah, you're absolutely you're pointing. Philly is pointing to a Fiorentina little, um, what is that, a banner of some sort? Yeah, a little desk pennant. Yeah, it's a little pennant thing that Philly's I got I bought here. it when I was in Florence. I yeah. had to because ACF are the initials of the club, but I looked at it as Amanda and Christian Filament. Aw, that's adorable. <laughs> Lame, I, I get it. Yep. So now that all of you have thrown up in your mouths, let's get back to LAFC news and notes, Philly. Here, here's the deal about that. So, like, he's he had a fair amount of the voters, Diego Rossi did. But I, I, I want to give a shout-out to the other players that were neck and neck with him. Brendan Aronson of the Philadelphia Onions. As far as the media were concerned, he they were basically tied together. It's the fans. It's all of you defenders out there. It's all of you LAFC faithful that really pushed this through. Why? Because as far as the media was concerned, Diego Rossi and Brendan Aronson were eye level as far as their performance in this tournament was concerned. But when it came down to the fan votes, 32.24% of the people that voted wanted Diego Rossi. The other, which was number two, Brendan Aronson, 26.14. So that's where we killed him. Not because of the media, not because of anybody else, but because of the millions and millions of defenders of the bank listeners and, of course, LAFC fans. You all helped propel Diego Rossi win this award. So the reason we got that notoriety is because of each and every one of you that voted. So if you voted out there on Twitter or whatever forum that it is that you used to vote for Diego Rossi, pat yourselves on the back because you are the reason that this man was voted as the young player and award winner in this tournament. So some interesting news, Philly, and I know for all the government conspirators out there and the people that think that the man is always trying to hold them down, this is going to be an interesting one. And Philly, I could not believe the two teams that were involved in leading and testing this technology for what they call touchless virtual ticketing. Philly, we couldn't have written this better ourselves. <laughs> no. It's Los Angeles Football Club and the New York Metropolitan. Meet the Mets. I Meet could the not Mets. believe this. So here's the deal. Baseball's New York Mets and Los Angeles Football Club have been testing the technology for touchless virtual ticketing. Now, LAFC's system is being upgraded with temperature scanning and mask detection capabilities to prevent COVID-19 transmission. LAFC fans will be asked to pull down their masks for facial recognition. And this is where all the government conspiracy theorists out there are going, why does LAFC need to recognize my face? It's in a partnership with Clear and Clear's kiosks with facial recognition and fingerprint biometrics. Philly, are we going to Fort Knox or are we going to Bank of California Stadium? (laughs) They've been used by LAFC prior to the lockdown. They were testing it out with 600 fans attending our first two games. We were not either of those 600 fans, by the way, when they started testing those things out. But Philly, what do you think about facial recognition technology being used along with fingerprint biometrics at Bank of California Stadium. I'll tell you the one thing I think it'll prevent, Philly. All those people that like to do that P-word chant out there in 3252 or anywhere else in the stadium or those idiots that throw those Heineken tall cans out on the stadium when they don't like a call that's made, usually when we're losing, I hope they find you. But other than that, I don't know that I'm super comfortable with my face being recognized by LAFC on purpose. No, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, I, I get kind of annoyed, and I'm sure most of you out there happen to be in a situation where you're at the supermarket, you're at Ralph's, Vaughn's, Sprouts, wherever you go out there and shop, and you wanted to make sure that before you swipe your debit card or your credit card down there to make that purchase that you had the proper balance to do so. I know I did. And how annoying was it when you would pull your phone out and your phone wouldn't recognize you unless you did that alternate phone recognition. Now we're going to be placed into a situation where our faces are going to be recognized by the banks, by the insurance companies, by our favorite sporting team, and by our favorite club's admission into a stadium. I like what you were saying. Yes, if you happen to have your facial recognition, they will have record as to who you are and where you're sitting. And if you commit some kind of stupid act, like use the P word or throw something on the field, it will be a great way of policing the stadium. But yeah, it's just once again, one of those intrusive things. If you think that we're living in a free country, if things like this continue to pile on, we're already registered numbers with social security. We already have all these different things. You can't exactly walk into a store without a shirt or shoes and buy anything. Well, how, what kind of freedoms do we really, really have? How many times are you trying to walk into a store without a shirt and shoes? How many times have we gotten inebriated at the beach? 
Plenty. Not together, <laughs> Philly maybe. Philly was, but by plenty. the way, walking around downtown Santa Monica without shoes the last time. Oh, we that's out. because you made me do it. You were like, hey, we're going to hang out in the car. Don't worry. We're just here to pick up some pizzas. Lo and behold, we were in his car. He drops me off. I forget the name of the pizzeria, but it's, it's right on the corner of... Oh, geez, I don't even remember anymore. It's right by 3rd Street Promenade. All right, fine. So I he tells me to go out because he'll find parking. I don't have shoes on. He tells me to walk into this pizzeria barefoot. So I'm amazed that I was able to get away with that part. I had a shirt on, so I was 50% of the way winning. But I grabbed the pizza, walked outside. I waited for him to go a couple of blocks around because there was traffic galore. I felt like the biggest... Biggest schmuck hanging outside, walking around Santa Monica with a bunch of pizzas and no shoes. I thought I was about to get jumped Philly, because look, if I was walking by myself you and I saw some right. dude without shoes and a pizza, then I would have jumped that dude too. Or at least you take one box right of a in. fat 12-inch boom kind of pie. You fit right in in downtown Santa Monica without shoes on. Nobody even noticed, but it was kind of funny watching Philly gallivant around downtown Santa Monica without shoes. I am not a and germaphobe, but man, I didn't I was. I didn't plus like side, let's look on the bright side, you didn't get tetanus that day. Did not get tetanus. I don't know if I did because I never bothered checking. Well, you don't have lockjaw, so you're probably fine. So <laughs> I'm sure people out there wish I had lockjaw. <laughs> Sometimes, that's for sure. So there's a great article on MLSsoccer.com about John Thorrington and what could be coming down the pipeline this summer in the way of transfers in Philly. Before we talk about that article, I know you had wanted to talk about the transfer window and everything that's coming up in that time. It's something that we've actually already seen LAFC take advantage of this window. It were just a couple of moves. Andy Nahar and, of course, the first three homegrown signings. But, Philly, talk to us about that transfer window and what that means. So the transfer window opens up to the point where you were talking about how Diego Rossi made you nervous, how he might have put himself on the radar of clubs like Fiorentina. Yeah, at this point, the transfer window's open. We could go ahead and sell players. We could go ahead and bring players on. So now we have that window open for a little while, and it's a scary thing because we don't know what the story is. How long is that window open for, Philly? I'm correct. Something's changed because of COVID-19, right? Absolutely. The window transfers have changed, but it's become open. I mentioned it August the 12th, and it's going to run through October 29th. We already have our phase two date scheduled. We have several matches coming to us between now and the end of September. There will be a phase three, but within that time process, again, that transfer window is going to be open. It is a scary thing. Now, keep in mind that we are potentially going to be a seller's club, so... Don't be surprised if something happens. Although, with the way COVID has impacted the world, yes. I doubt that we are going to sell any of our players because I doubt that there are any clubs out there that are going to open up their change purses wide enough to fulfill one of the orders that we want. Now, if you recall, Diego Rossi was being courted by a club such as Fiorentina a year ago. And I think, what, he was on the market for maybe 12, 15, and we countered Fiorentina with like 18 mil, and they were like, no, 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 I don't I don't believe that's the case. Well, with despite that, the window might be open, but I doubt we're going to sell any of our players because I doubt that we're going to get what they are truly worth. But the thing that happened the day before Adama Diamande and LAFC agreed to terminate their relationship is we acquired the number one spot in the MLS waiver order from the Vancouver Whitecaps. And all it took was 50000 of general allocation money. Now, you might be excited. You might think there's some pretty amazing things coming on. They're but not. They're not. If you really wanted to be excited, we get a lot more in targeted allocation money because targeted allocation money are used to really pick up those big-time players. When you hear GAM, you hear general. Not that big of a deal. Not phenomenal talent. Not the Tiagos and, and the Cavani's that you may wish get our get on our roster. They won't happen as a result of GAM. They will either be DP money or TAM money. To review, general allocation money is basically money used to buy down a player's salary cap hit. $50,000 isn't a lot. But what the frick does that mean that we have the number one spot in the MLS waiver order? Look, here's the deal. The top spot is basically coming from players that got cut within their teams in Major League Soccer. Players that couldn't make their roster in this league. Are you really going to be that excited about something like that? When we spend $50,000 on anything, we're not going to bring in phenomenal talent. We spent $50,000 talking to Vancouver, and we're basically able to bring in somebody who's been cut from their Major League Soccer roster. 
what I think, I mean, that might open the doors for somebody like a Stephen Betashore. If that happens, that's kind of cool. But as far as players that got cut, that can make our roster and make an impact and even remotely put it in a dent to what we're losing with Adama Diamandi's departure, it's not going to happen. It made an interesting headline. It confused a lot of people because Major League Soccer loves to Major League Soccer. And there's so many rules in there that go beyond the scope of regular international football. But for us to get the number one spot, on a list of players that basically got cut from their Major League Soccer team, not anything to be excited about. And again, if you're going to turn $50,000 into something phenomenal, then you better be making one hell of an investment or missing something that 20-plus other teams have totally missed. I don't know what's going to be the case. But for that to be the thing that comes out news-wise before Adama Diamande, don't get too excited, Defender. All right, so let's go back for just a second here because, hi, I'm the Scarf. I'm also on this podcast. Uh Sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's this Dan uh, Reposado. It's, what, it's, one, it's hey, me you, talk got, more. you pronounced it right this time. Yeah. So one thing I want to make note of there was a, uh, a player by the name of Latif Blessing that was able to go unprotected and was making like $0 before all this happened. Now, granted, we got him in the expansion draft, but still, that was a diamond in the rough. A player like Bryce Duke, who we had to acquire the rights to, and he looks to be a diamond in the rough. Philly, do me a favor. What we're going to do right now is go through the striker depth chart before the COVID Cup happened. Now, of course, we know we have Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, and Brian Rodriguez. We know at the time we also had Adama Diamande. We had Bradley Wright Phillips. We have Adrian Perez. Perez. And at one point, we even had Josh Perez, but he got jettisoned after that. So you're talking about six guys, right? Six guys that could come in. But yet, Phil, when it came to the COVID Cup, we wound up seeing relatively significant minutes because he kind of blew his only shot at a goal. With Danny Masovsky. Danny Masovsky is just exactly one of those players. And I'm not saying Danny Masovsky was a good find, a bad find, whatever. But he's played minutes for LAFC. Look, as much as I would love to bring back Stephen Betashore, he's not really a position of need for us right now. Fair. I I love Stephen Betashore. Believe me, if we bring him back, I'd be the happiest man in this whole studio. And I'm all for Stephen Betashore. But what it shows that this organization continues to do, and we've said this from day one, John Thorrington, Will Kuntz, Tom Penn, everybody at the top, they continue just to keep LAFC in a position of relevance and in an embarrassment of riches when it comes to who we can bring in. Because let's just say that for whatever reason, maybe some player gets into a disagreement with the front office and they terminate his contract. Or maybe some player decides, I don't like playing in front of no fans in DC United Stadium. Or maybe that one player was on FC Dallas and said, wait, they opened up this this stadium to 5,000 people and only 2,500 showed up? I don't want to be part of this organization anymore. That actually happened. More on that in a minute. It could be something cool like that. Now, look, you're probably right, Philly. We're going to get a whole lot of nothing out of this spot, at least not a player who's going to crack our starting 11 or maybe even 18, or if they keep it 23. I don't know what they're doing with substitution rules for these next six games. They haven't really said anything about that yet. That'll be interesting to find out. But we do have the number one waiver spot here in Major League Soccer. And this all, by the way, came from this article that I had mentioned on MajorLeagueSoccer.com about John Thorrington and what could be coming down the pipeline this summer in the way of transfers. And here's an exact quote, Philly, from the article written by Tom Bogert, who, by the way, more importantly, is not Vince LaRosa. I I, I miss Vince writing for MLS. Hashtag hire Vince. We know our boys at 110. Hashtag hired Vince. Right? So, yes, there have been concrete transfer offers for multiple players, Thorrington told MLSsoccer.com in a phone interview on Thursday, August 6th. He was unable to delve any further into specifics, but there are plenty of options to speculate. And that's what you and I have been doing here on this podcast. And we are not team insiders by any stretch of the imagination. But the article goes on to speculate about all the usual suspects, including Diego Rossi, Edward Atuesta, Brian Rodriguez, Eddie Segura. And there's a couple that were a little bit surprising at the end of it. They also mentioned Latif Blessing and Mark Anthony K. Now, another thing, I want you guys to go find this article on MLSsoccer.com because embedded in that article, Philly, is a fantastic video about Diego Rossi entitled MLS Game Breakers, sponsored by Southern New Hampshire University, SNHU, featuring Matt Doyle. It is a great video highlighting Rossi's best qualities and goals. Please, if you're going to read this article, great, but please check out the video. It's such a great video about Diego Rossi. Turns out he is a bad dude. Love Diego Rossi. And I got to give a little bit of love to 
Oneida County, New York, and more specifically... <laughs> you mean Canada? I, no, all close to Canada. More specifically, the town of less than 500 people, Holland Patent, New York. Holland Patent, New York. There is a <laughs> <What>? great article <laughs> what? on the Rome Sentinel. Not Rome as in Italy, but Rome as in New York. And yes, it is a what? real digital newspaper. Never heard of it. There's this article by a man named Steve Jones. Nothing in, exists north of the Bronx. I Scar. promise it does. It's right near Syracuse and Utica, where my dad is from. Canada. Uh, yeah, right? It's in between Rochester and Syracuse. Is Holland. North Canada. It, right. It is a town of about <laughs> 500 people. And what is significant about that town? Because one of those 500 people at one point was a man by the name of Sean Kupiak, who is our head athletic trainer at LAFC. Head on over to the Rome Sentinel. I don't imagine it's going to be that hard to find this article on Sean Kupiak over at the Rome Sentinel. I would give you the web address, but it's too long and I don't feel like reading all that much. But it talks about life in the bubble with our head athletic trainer, Sean Kupiak. And it is a really cool article by Steve Jones of the Rome Sentinel in Philly. That pretty much ends our still tied with LAFC players news. But we did have some big news regarding some former LAFC players and maybe someone who could be a future LAFC player. Yeah. So Walker Zimmerman, y'all remember him. He agreed to a contract extension through 2023 with Nashville SC. If you recall, Walker made his name prominent by scoring the first goal in that club's history. Now, they acquired, by they, I mean Nashville, acquired Zimmerman February 11th from LAFC in a record deal for a man in his position, a defender, $1.25 million. Zimmerman and Nashville agreed to a contract extension this past Monday through the 2023 season with a club option for 2024. It's the product of of an intention set in motion before Zimmerman even stepped foot in Music City. In the, <laughs> in the first game back after the COVID Cup, the COVID Cup cast-off challenge, a ridiculous two-game series. You like, you like series. my name for that one, right? Yeah, absolutely. A ridiculous two-game series between FC Dallas and Nashville, with both games being played in Nashville. It began with a historic 1-0 victory for Nashville. Their first in this league. David Akam scored the only goal of that match, assisted by one, Dax McCarty. A player who, by the way, I used to hate, but now I have grown to love. Much love now for Dax McCarty. That's sort of how I feel about Taylor Twelman. He's no longer a player, but <laughs> I did not like him, but now I like Taylor Twelman. So like your Taylor Dax Twelman. McCarty is my Taylor Twelman. The goal apparently snapped FC Dallas's 13-match home unbeaten streak. What made the victory all the more remarkable for Nash Vegas was that their head coach, was not on the sidelines due to an inconclusive COVID test, which later turned out to be negative. Oy oy! The game began with all players from both teams kneeling while the anthem was played. And in wonderful Dallas fashion, there were boos, boos, I tell you, directed towards the players during this time. To quote the famous Ron Burgundy, stay classy, Dallas. Yeah, Philly, it was really disappointing to watch that video. Obviously, hearing the boos and then somebody chanting USA, USA, while the anthem was being played, while these players were kneeling. It's so frustrating. Reggie Cannon, by the way, came out and absolutely blistered the several hundred Dallas fans in attendance there. And again, I was serious when I said they opened up this game, Philly, to 5,000 people in FC Dallas and a whopping like 25 100 showed up so not even half showed up at a time where they were allowing fans they were allowing fans philly and still still not half of the attendance in the stadium showed up it was really disrespectful reggie cannon talked at length about this about how his own fans were booing the team and booing both teams there it was awful and i actually disagree with the decision for what the team said they were going to do today when they play. They were going to stay inside the locker room while the anthem was playing. I disagree with that. Come right back out and kneel again. And if those fans in Dallas don't like it, Philly, then you know what? Take a hike. I don't care. These guys are playing their butts off for you. This is a team that I, I would venture to guess, Philly. I know you're looking up right now Dallas attendance numbers, right? I would venture to guess they weren't even in the top 20 of the 22, 23, 24 teams in attendance, they weren't even in the top 20, is my guess. What were they in attendance, Philly? So you want to do some mathematics. 
This is a club that does not have a great attendance record. Their average attendance was 14,842. As far as the amount of people that came in, you were looking at if they are sold out those full 5,000, you're looking at about roughly 35% of their average attendance being in attendance. No, 18% of their average attendance was there. Yet the schmucks were booing, booing their club, booing their players, booing a bunch of young lads that were actually standing up and supporting something. I can't believe that these 2,500 people still believe that these players are being disrespectful to the flag and disrespectful towards military personnel. It, it blows my mind. If I were Reggie Cannon, I'd be furious. But at the same time, what do you expect from a fan base that averages 14,000 fans per game? There's only two clubs, Scarf. Two clubs that have a slightly worse attendance record. And that is the Colorado Rapids and the Chicago Fire. Everybody else in the league trumps FC Dallas. And this is a club that has one of the best academies in this league. Yet they are piss poor when it comes to attendance. Now, if the Dallas Cowboys opened up... That stadium, AT&T, and they allowed 5,000 people, they would probably have 6,000 in there. If they allowed everybody, everybody would go. Dallas, I'm sorry, and if there's anybody out there who's a supporter or an owner or a player, you've got a crap fan base, and there's only two other fan bases that are more crap than you, so shame on you. Yeah, Philly, here's an interesting one, by the way. First of all, the game today, it's supposed to be Nashville playing Dallas again in the second round of the uh, COVID Cup cast-off challenge. Even God doesn't like these two teams. They're currently in a lightning delay. They haven't even (laughs) kicked off yet. But, Philly, I was reading this on the transfer window waiver wire on Friday, August 14th. Turns out Reggie Cannon might not have to deal with those FC Dallas fans any longer. The kid is 22 years old. The kid is now a U.S. men's national team center back. He is pretty, pretty good. Excuse me, fullback. It's Barnsley, Philly. Barnsley is taking a look at Reggie Cannon at FC Dallas. You mentioned that the transfer window opening up. Barnsley, Philly. Barnsley FC in England. English club Barnsley could be signing Reggie Cannon, so he might have to not have to worry anymore about those faithful, quote-unquote, there in FC Dallas. God doesn't like him. Reggie Cannon doesn't like him. <laughs> when it comes down to it, Barnsley is in the championship division, the second tier of English football. I would rather play at Barnsley in front of 24,000 screaming supporters than be at pitiful FC Dallas, only to be rooted by what? 14,000 on average in a stadium that probably holds more uh, with, with that crap fan base? Nah, if he goes to Barnsley, by all means, I'd probably even cop a Barnsley jersey because I'm all about that away days, awesome second division English type kits. He did not deserve to get that type of a fanfare. I can't even believe that they're, they went in with the intention of, of doing that. You know oh. they did. You know oh, they yeah. did. Absolutely. MLS. Stated from the very beginning, they would be fully supportive over the protests that these players would make if they're done in the fashion that there are. So these FC Dallas people, I don't even know if they were supporters. They probably were antagonizers as far as I'm concerned. They went in there only to cause a ruckus in order to make that club look bad and in order to push another ridiculous political agenda through. It just disgusts me. Disgusts yeah. me that it happened. Disgusts me that Reggie Cannon was ripped the way he was. And for people to say, oh, this guy is committing treason because he is, he is disrespectful of the U.S. national team and, and the, the American flag— Get the front door out of here, man. Shut the front door. Disgusting human beings, you FC Dallas supporters. So, let, Philly, let's smoothly transition to your Italian heritage that you have 8% of there from your 23andMe. Some big moves out of the biggest club in Italy, Juventus. We've got Blaise Matuti, who is leaving Juventus, and finally, Inter-Miami get one of those big names that they were looking at, but Philly... Could we have a Galaxy East situation happening on our hands here? They get Blaze Matuti, whose current transfer market value, according to the website transfermarket.com, his current value is about $11 million, Philly. His last transfer fee was $27.5 million to come to Juve. But he comes in on a TAM deal to enter Miami. Could this be Don Garber doing a little back-scratching? To David Beckham over there in Miami, a little backdoor deal to benefit the new face who used to be the old face, who's now back to the new face of Major League Soccer, David Beckham. First, 
coming to Miami on a free transfer. And now, according to Transfer Market, you know, with his value at $11 million, a massive undervalued deal here for Inter Miami FC. But Philly, here's a stat that I thought was kind of cool. He is the only, only World Cup winner currently on a roster in Major League Soccer, Blaise Matuti. Let's not forget the fact that he has a genuine relationship with David Beckham. Yeah, they played together. He was on that roster when Beckham was on there. The kid is a talent, man. He was 2015 French Player of the Year. You mentioned it, 2014. He was part of that France World Cup team that that killed it, and he wasn't a bench player the whole way through. He even came in during the knockout stages and scored some goals. Juventus, he's, he did really well. The kid's a solid talent, and at one point, probably one of the best midfielders that, that money can buy. He is going to be taking a substantial, substantial pay cut going to Inter-Miami as a TAM signing. We were talking about this earlier, a TAM signing. Targeted allocation money. He's not going to be making the amount of money that he was going to be making. But this is definitely a big win for David Beckham and the Fighting Ibises because they finally got a player of some type of repute that, I'm not going to say Pizarro doesn't have any any respectability. He's most, legit. He, he's definitely legit. But this, is def- but this is definitely a big signing. And considering the fact that they got dissed recently by Mario Goetze, this is a good <laughs> thing for the Fighting Ibises. Yeah, we mentioned that on the last podcast. I just want to make sure it is the 2018 World Cup that France won. Philly might have said 2014. Oh, I, I stand corrected. I was still living on the fact that Germany won that World Cup in 2014. Thank Philly, you for correcting Philly's me. whole world revolves around the 2014 World Cup, by the way. Understandably so. I haven't moved beyond Believe that. me, I'm still talking about Italy's 2018 win. doesn't seem like it was a real World Cup, considering the Germans didn't get out of the knockout 2008, state. baby. I'm still living that thing over any time I can, so don't worry. Oh, wait, you mean 2006. 2008. Shit, sorry. <laughs> <So> 2000, <laughs> 2006, I'm still living that one up every chance I get, Philly. You know, the, the cool part is we have a World Cup winner in Major League Soccer Pretty darn now. cool, man. Another name, though, leaving Juventus. And it's a last name, by the way, that MLS fans are very, very familiar with, Iguain. But as we used to say when we talked about his brother, this one coming over is the good Iguain. <laughs> you know, he may just wind up down the road in Carson. They've kind of talked about that. Gonzalo Iguain scored 48 times in 105 matches for Juve. He's led Serie A in goals just four seasons ago. His brother Federico, of course, a longtime Columbus crew member now with dc united you know here i'm I'm waiting for it philly we saw it last season right where somehow carson got to juggle four dps on the roster for a minute there. not sure how it happened could it be the case that they're talking to gonzalo higuain and maybe he comes on to be that fourth dp that apparently only carson is allowed to have it's gonna be really interesting but you know what i think philly i'm gonna say this out loud so that all our friends down in carson can hear about it I think, I think, if Iguahin comes over, they're also talking about, Philly, what's the guy's name from Benfica that they're also talking about right now? Yoni Gonzalez, but he's a kid who, the minute he signed on to that Benfica roster, he was loaned out immediately to Corinthians in Brazil. He hasn't had much, much burn. I would be more excited about Higuain, but regardless of whether they sign him, Yoni Gonzalez will probably go through. That still doesn't patch up their lack of defense uh, that they have. Sure, throw another player up front with Chicha. Chicha isn't a real good player. None of these guys, if you put Higuain and Chicha together right now, they still don't even come close to matching what Zlatan brought you, and they still are not even addressing the problem they have in their back line. I don't know what Chris Klein and Dennis Tocloza are doing, but quite frankly, I don't care, because as long as we start beating (laughs) the crap out of them, it doesn't even matter what they do. Yeah, here's the interesting thing, though. Will it be a case of four DPs, or, 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 you heard it here first on Defenders, is Christian Pavone already out on his way somewhere else in this transfer window. He looked super interested to be playing with Carson as much as Guillermo Barroscaloto did to be <laughs> coaching them in that COVID cup there. So we'll see what happens there. And this one strictly for Philly. And I'm sad that it didn't happen. My friend, you mentioned it fresh off of his departure from Borussia Dortmund. Mario Gutza has rejected an offer from David Beckham FC. He's not going to enter Miami and instead will look to continue his fantastic, fantastic career still staying in Europe. I know you would have gladly bought an FC Ibis's pink kit with Mario <laughs> Gutza on the back. It would have been an excuse for you, I think, to get the entire Inter-Miami inaugural collection just so you could own all of the Mario Gutza jerseys that there were. And he would have been, Philly, 
the second World Cup winner entering Major League Soccer, as we just mentioned. What, what, what year was that again, Philly? 2014. <laughs> 2014. That was the last time the World Cup occurred, as far as I am concerned. Mario Gutza, to me, is a very <laughs> special, special human you being. You guys have to see the way he's looking at his computer monitor right now. I've oh. got a picture. I'm just like staring, like just ad- <laughs> in the most admirable of way at a photo of Mario Gutza wearing his German national team kit. You know, if you look back at like one's career... He, when he came into the game, his coach, Joachim Lowe, basically mentioned, hey, you know what? Show the rest of the world that you're just as good, if not better than Messi. What happens? He takes an unbelievable assist from Andre Schürrle off his chest, boom, kicks it right in. Germany wins their fourth World Cup. He hits the highest of the highs at that point. And then his career sort of goes in a downward trajectory. He ended up having some health problems. It made him overweight. He wasn't the same player. He left his beloved Dortmund, went to Bayern. You know, that, that wasn't a good thing. Came back to Dortmund, wasn't necessarily smiled upon the way that they smiled upon him prior. But if you ask me, if any of you out there would be in the situation, I would much rather have the game-winning goal in a World Cup that one-time situation that basically immortalizes you as opposed to a really, really good club career. David Beckham, we can argue, was a phenomenal player, but David Beckham doesn't have a World Cup. We could argue that Zlatan, phenomenal player, no World Cup. Messi, phenomenal player, no World Cup. Ronaldo, phenomenal player, no World Cup. Mario Gutza, not even in the same category as the players I okay, just mentioned. I'm, I'm glad but he scored <laughs> the game-winning goal against Messi and Argentina to win the World Cup. And as far as I'm concerned, he's going to go down as a national icon. I would much rather have that early on in my career than anything else. Mario Gutza, I, I, I hope you come to the Major League Soccer. But at 28 years old, I still feel like this kid can do some damage in Europe and then eventually find his way to North America. Totally agree. I think when he's 33, 34, we'll see Mario Gutza here in Major League Soccer in Philly. Another one that I was hoping for you, look, I've tried to make, you know, it's your birthday episode, so I'm trying to make this <laughs> more about you. There was one that I was really hoping to. It looks as if Leeds United is keeping their man, <laughs> Philly, Jack Harrison, a guy who you knew to love very much over at NYCFC. They've secured another year-long loan Leeds United has for Jack Harrison. And Leeds, of course, coming up from the championship division to the premiership. It's going to be a lot of fun. The former NYCFC star will not be coming back to Major League Soccer for quite a while. And finally, Philly won for me because I have to make it about me every now and then. Come on, man. Everybody loves you. Before, millions. I know. I know. And millions. But love Philly, Scarf. Remember, you lost, and your, Philly equally. you lost your appendix. You turned 40. It's been a rough couple of months or so for you, buddy. So we're we're doing everything we can to prop you up and keep you going there, my friend. But you know me. <laughs> what am I? What is this weekend at Philly's here? Like, what, am I, what have I died? Look, I like to... I, look, my, my second national team... What did, what did Landon Donovan call Mexico, right? His other national team or whatever it is, right? My other national team, if I were to have one, and this is strictly because of the the very little time that I got to spend in Peru was spent while Peru was playing some of their best football that they have in their nation's history. So I, I tend to look out for Peruvians in Major League Soccer. And look, we all saw what Pedro Galese did in the COVID Cup. We know what Raul Ruiz Diaz did. But there's another one who could be coming, and this is a Peruvian legend, could be headed to Major League Soccer. Jefferson Farfan, the 35-year-old current free agent. So he is not a youthful free agent whatsoever, could be headed to the United States. He scored 27 times in 94 matches for Peru. He spent time with Alianza Lima and also then PSV Philly and Schalke 04 as well. At 35, he's kind of looking to prove that he's got something left. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank, Philly, but he left Locomotive over in Russia. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know that anything is going to be happening, but I think it'd be kind of neat to have another Peruvian national team player in Jefferson Farfan. I don't disagree with that at all. And I know you're all about the Peruvians, and that's fine and dandy. Gillespie was fantastic. And you know what? Peru... They, they've done wonders over the past couple of years. It's always great to see new countries and new players from those countries prop up. And just a couple of things I want to mention that I think is really, really cool. We talk about players from, from different countries coming through. Listen to this. Alfonso Davies, Woo! a Canadian, a Canadian, I would say has solidified himself as one of the best left backs in the world. 
I'm sure plenty of you out there witnessed that Bayern massacre of oh. Barca. What he did, what he did to Barca is the stuff of legend. The kid is fantastic, and he's not even old enough to drink a beer legally in the United States. For those of you saying that MLS is this crap league, let me remind you that Tyler Adams, an American, a kid who came through with the New Jersey Energy Drinks' Academy, helped propel RB Leipzig over Atletico Madrid in the 88th minute and their previous match. Alfonso, his nickname in my world, Alfonso, oh my God, Davies did what he did and sliced up sliced up Barcelona. We have Miguel Almiron, who the season's over, but who's done pretty good things at Newcastle. MLS is sending some really, really good players overseas internationally, and they're doing really good jobs. I think, as, as along the lines of John Thorrington's mantra, this is going to be a seller's league. People are going to want to come here and, and cut their teeth and do what they need to do in order to go to the next level. And for the time being, I'm good with that. you you got to be naive to expect that we'll ever be, at least in the next five to ten years, on the same level as the EPL, the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A. But if we can crack top seven, top eight, send some of these unbelievable talents elsewhere, fantastic. Again, ladies and gentlemen, the best left back in the world is Canadian. Canadian. Philly, I have to say, if you go back and listen to episode 110, there were two players that I mentioned when it came to the final eight in Champions League. That would be Tyler Adams and Alfonso Davies. I mentioned Tyler Adams, hoping he would do something. Didn't come up with the game winner. But Philly, let me just drop a little bit of knowledge on all of our listeners out there to the millions. And millions. Of the Defenders of the Bank listeners. And then you can go on to your next point because I know you want to talk about a certain head coach that might be going somewhere else after barely being here (laughs) for very often. The Champions League bracket, the final four, have no English, no Spanish, and no Italian teams in the final four. No English, no Spanish, no Italian teams. That is crazy. We've obviously got Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain. We've got two Bundesliga teams in Leipzig and Bayern Munich. And oh man, is that going to be fun. And I called it last episode. I've been saying it all season. The best club in the world right now will go down as the best club in Bundesliga history. It'll be Bayern winning the whole thing by a whole lot. Let me ask you this. Who do you think they're going to win against? So, let's see. It's Leipzig playing PSG. PSG. I, look, I'm, I want the heavyweights. As much as I want the heavyweights to go up against each other. I love PSG, and that would be a... I mean, I don't love, I don't care about PSG other than they're playing really well, and I like watching back to the that's that one certain football team I used to watch all the time. It was because they were really good for a really long time. I like watching them. PSG has certainly been that. But Philly, do you imagine the... I'll just say the happy place that Don Garber would be able to, be able to go if he is able to watch RB Leipzig play against Bayern Munich with Tyler Adams starting on one team, Alfonso Davies starting on the other, and two of the 22 players that are out there on that pitch battling for probably the most prestigious Champions League victory. Both came from Major League Soccer academies. Hmm. How incredible would that be? I'm calling it right now. It's going to be PSG, unfortunately, not Leipzig. PSG is going to play against Bayern, and it's going to be Bayern 4-1 winning the Champions League final. I will never, ever, ever in my life root against the Germans for anything because I spent a substantial part of my life there because my entire side of my father's family lives in Munich. I'm the black sheep of the family as far as that's concerned. (laughs) Why? Because I'm an Eintracht Frankfurt supporter and a family of Bayern Munich supporters. But that being said, I love my family. And as a result of that, I will side with Bayern. I will always side with the Germans. I can't side with Leipzig because Leipzig is, you know, it's, it's an energy drink at the end of the day. So it's a manufactured situation. I'm looking forward to Alfonso Davies being one of less than a handful of Major League Soccer players. There have been at least one that we know of for a fact. But Alfonso Davies hosting that UEFA Champions League, it's going to happen. Py- Bayern Munich, I don't even care if they play Leipzig or if they play PSG. Bayern all the way, baby. It's going to be a lot of fun. Philly, there, there's another MLS, and, and honestly, look, footballing legend that was in the news. Uh, Philly, I thought I just saw this guy get signed by Le Impact de Montreal for their coaching vacancy. 
Could it really be? I know he's like a little bit down the pecking order, but Philly, could Thierry Henry really go to Barca? No freaking way. Not at this point within his coaching career. He barely was able to do anything with Monaco. He's the fourth man on this list. The number one person that could take over for Barca is probably Pochettino. I don't think Thierry Henry... Yeah, he's being considered because he's the type of player that... And the type of individual that could put cheeks in seats. But if we don't get cheeks in seats, what does that matter? Thierry Henry is a newbie in the world of gaffers. Mauricio Pochettino is the number one as far as I'm concerned for Barca. Yeah, and now that we're done pretty much with LAFC and MLS news and notes, just a quick live update. It is now 6.50 here on Sunday, August 16th. And the game is still being held up by God and his lightning strikes. Dallas and Nashville yet to kick off Philly. They announced the next six games here for LAFC. And of course, the big one, a home match against Galaxy on the 22nd. That is in just six days. Philly, it's at 3 p.m. Not sure I'm loving the time, but it's at 3 p.m. The Galaxy home match. I know, I know, I know. But can you think of any other better way to spend your Saturday than to watch our boys in black and gold hang potentially another six bag on the Galaxy? I can't wait. As far as I'm concerned, next Saturday, you, me, Nina, Panda, the Angel City Chicks, which by the way, if you haven't checked them out, Angel City Chicks, at Angel City Chicks on Instagram and all the other social media platforms, we're all going to be together watching this match. And we're all going to be podcasting together after this match. And you are going to get several podcasts from Defenders of the Bank. And they're all going to come at you in rapid-fire fashion. Because after we trounce the Galaxy on the 22nd, we're going to play Real Salty Lake on the 26th. Then four days later, we're going to play the Flounders. couple days after that, the Smurfquakes. On September the 6th, the fallacy. And a few short days, which is the longest in between, between September 6th and the 13th, we're going to play the pesky pine trees. And we're going to continue to give you these podcasts in the day of these matches. So we're going to be busy within LAFC, within the community, within the match world, and within the podcast world. And that's what I'm looking forward to most. You and I, my friend, getting together, doing what we love doing, chatting about all things LAFC, and having a ton of fun doing it. Got a quick question for all of our millions. And millions. I think that's like our fourth time doing that. We might have to cut that down for the next episode. Either way, how many of y'all out there that are listening to us here at Defenders of the Bank are going to try to be one of the 5,000 fans in Real Salt Lake. Is there any way even to get in? You said that game, the Galaxy game's on a Saturday, right? The 22nd. Yep. That means it's a Wednesday kick at 6.30 at beautiful Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, Utah. And I wish there was another name for that city. It's actually Sandy, Utah. So anybody out there going to try to go to be the 5,000 fans that'll be hanging out in Real Salt Lake. That's going to be kind of fun. If I didn't start teaching already, I start teaching two days earlier, August 24th, I might try to drive up to Real Salt Lake and see if I could become one of the 5,000 fans to watch LAFC hang five goals. I'm calling it. Scarf Stradamus is just going nuts on today's episode. Why not? Five goals and a 5-1 victory. Oh, look, it's just like the second match. Yeah, I was about to say. It's not like that hasn't happened before. 5-1 victory at Rio Tinto Stadium. I mean, we are cooking with gas, and then we'll be lighting some firewood later on in the schedule. Philly, I'm calling it. We might, I think we eke out a tie with Seattle. It's away. It's going to be a lot of travel between the 26th and the 30th, and I don't know. I'm picturing a tie there in the Seattle game, and I'm picturing five wins out of these six games. A tie, I think it's going to be a 2-2 tie with Seattle. I wouldn't be surprised to see some other players that you might not expect in the starting lineup. Maybe a Pancho Ginella, Jose Cifuentes, maybe a Bryce Duke, maybe an Adrian Perez sighting, or maybe Bradley Wright Phillips gets the What about the, the ghost start. of Alejandro Guido? The ghost of Alejandro Guido. If, if Alejandro Guido plays in any of these six games. All right, Philly did this. So you know what? Breaking news here on Defenders of the Bank. If Alejandro Guido plays in any of these next six games, Tag me at LAFC underscore the scarf <laughs> on Defenders of the Bank's account, and I will send you something because you listened and you remembered us talking an hour into our episode that we said <laughs> was going to be a short episode. An hour into our episode, if Alejandro Guido plays 
DM me directly. Let's just do that. DM me directly at LAFC underscore the scarf that, hey, you said if Alejandro Guido plays, you're going to send me something cool. Well, you're darn right I am. So Alejandro Guido plays. This one's on the scarf. No doubt. And I think at this point, you and I briefed and we thought we would have a 30, maybe 45-minute episode, but it certainly has gone a lot longer than that. <laughs> We've got plenty of content coming up. We have a interview tomorrow with a former LAFC player. Don't want to give it up just yet because we want to make sure that it happens. Yeah. But we're going to give that to you tomorrow night, if not Tuesday morning. And then, of course, we're going to do the Galaxy match on Saturday. There's plenty of Defenders of the Bank content coming through. So make sure that you follow us at Defenders of the Bank on Facebook and Instagram and at Defend the Bank on Twitter. Make sure you you like us, you follow us, you, you give a nice little comment if you're feeling frisky enough to do so. And that pretty much is all I got to say unless you got anything else to say to the millions. And millions. That's the fifth time. <laughs> That's the fifth time. <laughs> Scar. So one other thing real quick. By the way, we refer to our next guest, if and when we can get him, we're supposed to be interviewing him tomorrow, as the most interesting man in Major League Soccer. And you guys will find out why. Former LAFC player who has the weirdest, coolest, craziest job in Major League Soccer right now. Can't wait to talk to this player tomorrow. One last thing, after we say our bye-byes, I promised it on episode 110, so we are going to end the episode after the bye-byes with the dulcet tones of one Don Ho that Philly did not know who that was on the episode before. So we're going to play about 10 or 15 seconds of Don Ho to play us out after the bye-bye because Philly had no idea who Don Ho was, so that's why we're doing that. And this is probably going to be the last episode before we get sued on Defenders of the Bank. <laughs> well, it's only 10 or 15 seconds. Hopefully we'll get away with it. And check, Disney doesn't own the rights to any of his music, so we're fine. All righty. And that being said, you know how we love to end all our episodes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Tiny bubble